Please pray with me. On the night you're betrayed, Lord, you broke bread as your body would be broken. You poured wine as your own blood would be poured out for us. And then you got down in the middle of the supper and then you washed feet. Lord, I pray that tonight we would be full recipients of the ministry of your love, that we would be genuine ministers of that same love, that people would actually know that we're your disciples, Lord, and none other, so that you would be known and glorified in this world. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we begin our three-day journey with Jesus through his passion, and you know, you, you wonder what's going through Jesus' mind at a time like this, because it says pretty clearly, even in the gospel reading that we had tonight, that Jesus knew this was going to happen. He knew that he was going to be, be betrayed, and um, this was his hour, and he also knows what's in the hearts of men. He actually knows that. And that's remarkable to me because he's having his last supper with his closest friends and his disciples. Um, and that's what a disciple is, it's his closest friend. And he's looking around and he knows what's in the hearts of men. And he also knows that this is the night that he is gonna be handed over and betrayed. And yet he does the most remarkable thing. He loves them. He loves them completely, fully, all the way to the ends of love. And he demonstrates that when in the middle of the supper, that really struck me this year, is that it's during the supper, it's in the middle of the supper, that's when he takes off his outer garment. It's like a picture of him taking off his divine prerogatives when he becomes man. And then he takes up the towel and puts it on his waist when he, sort of like when he takes on our human nature, when he becomes flesh. And then he gets down on the ground and he washes feet. I mean, that's an amazing thing in the context of this night because to wash feet in that cultural context is not just awkward like it is for us. It's actually um, repulsive. Like even the lowest servant wouldn't do that. It would have to be the lowest slave, the lowest of the low that would do that. And never would it be in the middle of a supper, by the way. It would be at the beginning of the supper. And it certainly would not be the one who's presiding at the feast. So he's doing something that's just remarkable here. In the midst of disciples who were not gonna be faithful to him in different ways, he washes those feet, those feet that would actually run away from him, those feet that would deny him and betray him. He washes those feet. Those are the feet he washes. And then he calls us 
to a similar ministry. It's just remarkable. I just want to spend a few minutes together meditating on this incredible expression of Jesus' love. It's really sort of uh, an object lesson, an advanced an advanced word on what he's actually gonna be doing with his own body and his blood in the next few days, in the next really 12 and 24 hours. I wanna look at it sort of in, in three sections. First of all, it's about letting him be the Lord of love. I think one of the tensions that's going on for the disciples is are they really gonna let him be the Lord of love in their lives? And then the second thing is to actually become that beloved disciple. I mean, Jesus is saying, like, if you're not gonna let me be Lord of love, you have no share in me, but if you will let me be Lord of love in your heart, then you are going to be part of my work. You're gonna belong to me. You're gonna be one of my own, and you will endure and then you will be beloved, and then from there you can share. So that's the first two movements, is that he's Lord of love and that we are beloved, but then he calls us also to be loving. We share in him, and then we share from him. He does something for us, and that in that wonderful gift, we do something for one another, that people would actually know that we're his disciples. That's the sign. That is the sign. If you want to be known as a disciple of Jesus, then you have to be loved and you have to be loving. It's as simple as that. You have to know that God is love and that he is love incarnate and he expresses that in this incredible sacrificial journey that starts with this supper and then right in the middle of it, he does this washing of feet. So let's take a look at the different types of um, challenges to whether or not the Lord is actually gonna be your Lord of love. I think we have some other potential lords in our life. It's the, I guess the question would be, are we going to be love-led or are we gonna be fear-led? Are we gonna be bitterness-led? Are we gonna be pain-led? Are we gonna be shame-led? Or are we gonna be love-led? There's a lot of different things that are moving in our hearts that would keep us from receiving Jesus' love. And he really wants so badly to deal with all that stuff in our hearts that he knows. Well, the first person that is really, in a way, it's the most shocking aspect of what he's doing here is... um, That person who I would say is kind of bitterness-led and kind of anger-led, which is Judas. He actually washes Judas' feet. Um, One of the things that hit me this year is that Judas' father is named. His father is Simon. I mean, Judas is a man who had a father, and he's the son of a father. And he's loved, and he was raised in love by somebody who loved him. And yet he is the one who ends up betraying the Lord. I mean, I hope that that stops you in your sandals tonight. Because every one of us has that capacity to betray the Lord. Every one of us. That's really convicting to me. Um, 
I think the way that John describes um, Judas is what he's going to do is he's going to hand over Jesus to be judged. He's going to betray him to the authorities who are going to judge him and put him to death. I think there's something about Judas that, that has, has been going amiss for a while. You kind of get the sense that he's starting to enter into a kind of judgment and, and a circumspection and a withdrawal from Jesus, and he's standing there. And for instance, when the woman who's been forgiven much and pours out you know, tears, and in another story, there's the, the anointing of the oil of his feet to prepare him for burial. Judas is like, that, that should have been used for the poor. He's starting to enter into a phase like, um, you're wrong. It's not just, I'm not sure what's going on here, which is what's happening to the other disciples. It's, you're wrong. And um, he's entering into judgment of Jesus. The word that's used there is um, Satan, which means accuser. It means slanderer. I mean, he's willing to side with those who would say that Jesus is actually blaspheming and he feels justified in betraying him. And so Judas does this. He enters into this way of judgment and accusation. Jesus washes those feet. He gets down and washes those feet. The feet of a person who's angry and bitter and about to betray him. Wow. That's how profound Jesus' love is. That's what the Lord of love actually looks like. He pours out a love that everyone might be forgiven if we would receive it. Judas doesn't receive it. It says his heart isn't clean, so he can't receive it. But Jesus washes his feet. If Judas could only have received it. I think one of the most difficult things is to come out of that position of judgment that's fueled by perhaps fear, but certainly anger and bitterness and come back to a place of trusting Jesus, that he is Lord, and we don't have a better idea of how this is supposed to happen. So that's the feet of the judge and the accuser. Jesus knows all that, by the way. I hope that that's actually a reassurance to you. I think one of the things that we fall into in the church is we start to think, well, if we have any trouble in the context of the life of the church and there's any betrayals happening on, it must not be... We must not be the church then. No, it's even happening with Jesus here. This happens sometimes. But he knows it. He knows it. It says it quite clearly here that he knew that he was going to be betrayed. And also, he also knows that the disciples are going to deny and betray and deny and scatter. I want to talk about Peter now. These are the other feet, and I think he sort of stands in for all of the other disciples in in many respects, and then we'll lastly talk about John, the beloved. But Peter is, um, you know, he's a little bit in this place of, yeah, I think I'm getting the program, Jesus. And I I want to, I, I want to show you that I'm really in, and I understand what you're trying to do. I think I get the, the idea of humility. So when Jesus takes off his robes and starts to wash feet, he's like, not me. And he's kind of proud about his humility. It's like, no, I don't want you involved with this stuff of my life, these feet of mine. 
I'm actually maybe too ashamed. I'm too ashamed for you to get involved with me at that low level of who I am. And then Jesus says, if you don't let me do this, you have no part in me. And then all of a sudden, he flips completely over to the other side. Well, then wash all of me. And he's like, let me be Lord of love in your heart. Peter's always trying to manage it. It's like, okay, now I think I've got it. Now I think I've got it. And Jesus is saying, look, just let me be Lord of your love. And how I want to do this is I want to serve you. I want to wash your feet. I want to deal with the things that are amiss in your heart. So he does actually let Jesus do that. I want to say that these are the feet that because they're still managing their own salvation program, they're really in jeopardy. When you're doing the management, the self-management of your own salvation, Jesus, I've got it. This is how I'm going to be okay, so just do it this way that you're in danger of scattering and denying Jesus in the moment of testing. And that's what happens for Peter. He's clean, and thank God he's clean. And he'll remember this later when he writes his epistle. He says it's, it's that, that, it, that way of being baptized. It's not just so much the outer washing of the body. It's the cleansing of the conscience that Jesus does, and it's perfected in his resurrection. And so Peter begins to realize later on, especially after the coming of the Spirit, that, wow, his conscience is cleansed, and he remembers. And John would remember the same thing, too, that we have an advocate. And when he says, you're cleansed, you're cleansed. He's Lord. So my shame is not to lead me. My fear is not to lead me. All of those things that we do that lead to self-managing our salvation, none of that's to lead us. Instead, his grace is to lead us. You are clean. And so that's what Peter stands in for all the disciples. And when the Spirit comes, they really begin to remember and understand and take that to heart. We have these two temptations too. We have the temptations to really fall in line with the accuser and say, this is wrong. And we have the temptation to say, I got it, I'll take it from here. And I'm afraid and ashamed, I really don't want you involved. Or yes, everything, more, 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 right? Whatever it is, we fall into these two kinds of temptations. But we don't have to. We don't have to, especially because we have the Spirit. And John is a picture, I think, John the Beloved, of somebody who actually, he's the disciple that they often refer to as the one who remains. That's how he's described at the end of the gospel. And he's actually the one who is awake enough, it seems, to be able to report what Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he remains with Jesus. He stays with him. We're gonna do that later in the watch. He's also the one that's alone of all the disciples who are male with Mary and the other Mary at the foot of the cross. How is it possible to be a person who is the beloved disciple like John? Well, there's just a few phrases that sort of stuck out at me. First of all, he's, he's at the Lord's side, and we have our icon here for this whole year of John at the Lord's side. That's actually from the supper, the last supper. And he's leaning into the Lord's side. A lot of scholars believe that the reason he's doing that is because he's the one who owns that upper room. He owns the home. 
So if that's true, a couple things immediately come to mind for me. One is, I've given you my home, Jesus, come in. You're welcome in my home. Number two, I'm leaning right into your side. That's even how it's put here. He leans into his side. He's at his side and he leans into it. He's not just near, he's very intimate with Jesus. So much so that he can also ask Jesus for the insight that's needed by the disciples. Who's gonna betray you, Lord? And he can actually then listen and hear and then know what needs to be known. That's the way of the beloved. He's somebody who does let Jesus wash his feet or her feet. Somebody who actually gets close to Jesus, invites him into their home, leans into him, and then listens. Even intercedes for other disciples. And so he's the beloved disciple. And that's the way that we can go. We can really repent from the way of Judas, the way of Peter, and actually be beloved. We can enter into that by the grace of Jesus because he's washing us, because he's giving us his spirit. I wanna say too, for those of you who are really struggling with the fact that maybe you're stuck in a lot of bitterness, you're stuck in a lot of anger like Judas, or maybe you're, you're stuck in a lot of shame and fear and trying to figure it out like Peter, that sometimes you need the help of a brother and sister in really bringing those root issues in your soul to the Lord. There's a couple ways that you can respond. One would be, you do have an opportunity to confess generally here today, but also on Good Friday. Um, sometimes we just really need somebody who can express the washing of our feet. Like, no way. My feet are too stinky and yucky. <laughs> well, we're going to enact that here in just a little while, but there's also the dimension of this is like, I'm going to confess my sins, and Lord, I can't do that but they're so dominating in my mind that they're really controlling my bitterness and they're really controlling my fear and my shame. And so sometimes we have to make confession and experience the washing of our ugly and disgusting feet at a, at a soul level. And we're doing that in a sacramental way, I guess you could say today, but you might wanna think about that tomorrow on Good Friday during the times when confessions are offered. And the last thing that I want to say to us is that now that he's really shown what he wants to do for us, he's calling us to enter into that way too. He's sending us out, in fact, to be disciples of the same kind of love. Um, first of all, to one another. And that's really hard. Like I was alluding to earlier, the, the truth is that sometimes those who are nearest to us. I mean, Jesus is talking about his own. That's who he refers to them in John's gospel. These are my own. They betray.